0: On the table today, what are we talking about today? Ooh, what is on the table today? What's on the table today uh, is is we want to know what you are looking for in church leadership going forward. Um, but this is a post-pandemic. Well, it's I don't know if it's a post-pandemic world yet. But we are looking forward to a post-pandemic world. And in a post-pandemic, in a post-pandemic world, we're wanting to know what are our lay members looking for when it comes to church leadership, when it comes to church leadership in the local church. Um, so your Sabbath school superintendent, your personal ministries uh, uh, team in the local church, what are our members looking for? Is there any difference of what we're looking for in Local church leadership. When it comes to pastors, um, is there something different now that that church members, lay members, are looking for when it comes to the type of pastor? When it comes to his leadership style, um, um, uh, the character qualities, the traits, the skill sets that pastors have. When it comes to leadership at the denominational level, whether it's a conference, or union, or division level, GC level, um, what are our members looking for? What are they valuing now going forward? Is there any change um, that we were looking for? So that's what's on the table today. We're looking at what do you want in church leadership going forward? So then let me ask you, Dr. Henry, who is at the table today to help us flesh out that question? Who do we got?
1: Well, listen, hey, look, I am so glad to be here on the pastor's round table because one of the things that I enjoy is to engage with our guests. And we have some people on today that I know that you will enjoy. We have Dwayne Dorch. Let me tell you, he has uh-huh. been with Pastor's Roundtable from the very beginning. That's In right. fact, Pastor Paul, he might have been on the second show. I think, yeah, he was a guest had. on the show before. This is his second time with us today. This, right. So he was a guest on the show uh, the second show that we had, I think he was a guest, and he is just a a powerful agent for change. He belongs to the Seabrook Church there in the DMV area. He is the finance chair. Now, let me tell you, oh, wow. the Seabrook Church is a major church. They're doing major things led by the senior pastor, Damian Johnson. And he right there, Dwayne Dorch, is at the helm. That finance chair, that's a very important um, uh, position because you're able to kind of give the vision and when the finances uh, come in, you're able to kind of see where you're going so that you can see if you're on track with vision. So he is the finance chair there, Dwayne Dorch. He is is for technology. I'm just going back to our prior conversations that we had at the beginning. At the very beginning, he understood that technology is so important during this pandemic. At the very beginning. And so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what has happened since then. So we have Dwayne Dorch. The next person, let me tell you, uh, the next person is a dear friend of mine. I could call him my friend. Uh, When I went to Kansas City, I saw this individual there. I went into, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, you know, coming to the district in Kansas City. I wanted to meet with the people there. And so he said, hey, meet me in my office. I said, okay. So I drove up to the campus, festival. And when I parked in the campus, there was somebody on a golf cart, a security guard, said, who are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for Kurt Nooks. He said, oh, Dr. Nooks, let me take you up there. And so he took me on the golf cart, took me down into the building, and I went up to the building, and they had the secretary there, and I said, look, I want to speak to Dr. Nooks. They said, oh, come right in. And the man opened up his door. I sat right there in the president's office. I wasn't in trouble, but I sat in the president's (laughs) office. Dr. Nooks is a wonderful person, member, uh, was a member of my church there in Kansas City, him and his wonderful family. Right now, he relocated to Georgia. Um, I, for, I, I forgave you for that, Dr. Nuts. Don't worry about that. Right I'm going to bring also, him on. I'm going to bring president him on. Let's bring of him on. Let's the the Gordon him on. State <laughs> College. <laughs> he's the president of the Gordon State College. You know, prophetically, we want to say university, but I'm not going to go there with him. Uh, So so it's good to see Dr. Nooks on here with us today.
0: Hey, listen, gentlemen, it is a thrill and a privilege for us to have you with us today. We're going to have a word of prayer before we jump into to this topic, this, this very uh, interesting topic, because I'm very curious to find out uh, some of the answers to these questions. And we want to again invite our audience to join in answering. I see already there are some answers that are coming through. But let's have a word of prayer. Then we're going to give our, our guests just a quick minute to, to, to introduce themselves just a little bit further. You get a little bit more familiar with them. Father, we ask that you be with with us now as we have this discussion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Dr. Nooks, let's start with you. Uh, sir. Uh, we're going to give you 49.7 seconds to just share with our audience anything that we left out of your resume, anybody that you want to say hello to, tell us a little bit more about you, what you're doing, whatever you want to say in these 49 point, what did I say, seven seconds, the time is yours. Go for it.
2: Thank you so much. Just happy to be here uh, on Pastor's Roundtable. Uh, My good friend and colleague and pastor, Pastor uh, Dion Henry just reached out to me and I said, of course I do it. I've been privileged to to serve as an elder uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church now for quite some time and also privileged to to move about. So my background and experience spans Northeastern Conference and Allegheny East Conference and Central States Conference and South Atlantic Conference. So I, I've been around working with several different pastors. Been fortunate enough and blessed. Uh, got a family we reside in um, the Atlanta, about an hour south of Atlanta. So we're happy to be here today.
0: Awesome, awesome. So glad to have you with us. And and just wow, what a wonderful wealth of experience that you have. We got to get you down southeastern since you went everywhere else. Um, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. All right. Um, Mr. Dorch, we just saw a, a, a chat in the text. Valerie says, Dwayne Dorch is the CEO of Seabrook. Um, tell us, uh, we not, not only was, is he the, the finance committee chair, but also works with technology there. Um, so I always want to feel like I need to bounce some ideas and questions off you. But Dwayne, we were going to give you the same, 49.7 seconds. The time is yours, sir.
3: I've been at Seabrook uh, most of my life, um, and it's 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 a great place to be. A wonderful church. We have great leadership, as you mentioned. Um, I'm also fortunate to be involved in a couple of other volunteer ministries in the area. Uh, I've been on the board of Washington Adventist University for many years, and as well, um, I'm the treasurer of WGTs, which is one of the largest radio stations in the DC area. Oh, wow. It's an Adventist-owned station, and they are doing incredible ministry particularly um, in this COVID period, uh, really reaching people where they are, uh, not proselytizing and um, yeah, but just reaching people and meeting their needs at a very basic level. And I'm really excited about what we're doing there at WGTS. I make my living as a technology expert, uh, work for an internet company. So our, kind of the, um, you know, the, having everything go virtual uh, with the start of this pandemic was, uh, was really right right up my alley. So. Uh, fortunate to be able to help to help the church in that area, but I. But since we're talking about the topic of church leadership and the future of church leadership, I need to shout out to my brothers, Pastor Paul, Pastor Wade, Pastor Henry, for this platform that you guys have created to get us all talking about ministry and how we sh- how can be we, we can be more effective both in this COVID period and beyond. Uh, I think you guys are just visionaries. Uh, the conversations that you've engaged week after week have been so meaningful, and have really helped to move the needle in terms of the way that we think about ministry, the way that we can be more effective, the way that we utilize our resources to better reach, uh, to to serve our mission. So thank you, gentlemen, for what you have done and will continue to do. Oh,
0: wow. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we hope and pray that 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 continues. So great stuff. All right. Y'all, you guys ready? Everybody buckled up? Go. Dr. Henry, we're going to let you go take us take all right us in, let's man. buckle up
1: again glad to have you gentlemen with us today um we want to jump right in so look we we're talking about leadership in the pandemic and we've taken it from different sectors different sides last week we dealt with education and, but now we want to deal with the membership perspective. I'm talking about those who are volunteers, right? In the church. And, and so when you look at leadership in the conference, you know, we went through this pandemic, how do you perceive the leadership in the, now we don't wanna point out one particular conference if there's some things, you know, that are um, uh, negative, but just, just in the whole, when you look at this conference, when you look at this structure, this organization, the Adventist organization, how do you perceive the leadership in the pandemic? We'll start with uh, anyone, Dorch, Brother Dorch, talk to us.
3: Yeah, sure. So it, it's an interesting question. In fact, I uh, reached out to, when I when I learned the topic for today, I reached out to several friends who, we and we often, you know, pre-COVID, we, we get together for lunch and talk about these kind of things. Um, and I reached out to, to a handful of friends about these types of questions, and I got a an answer that I thought was very disturbing. Uh, most of my friends reported back that leadership from a conference and above level was kind of a black box, kind of a mystery. Um, there really is there really doesn't seem to be a connection between the members in the pews and the conference leadership. Now, a lot of that could be by design or by structure, uh, but um i just i found it kind of frustrating that uh there isn't a structure in place to better communicate between the leadership of the church and the members of the church on the ground mm, okay well, that like <laughs> that's interesting okay okay, mm-hmm.
1: okay. Uh, nooks what what's you what's your input on that
2: I would jump in and say along the same lines, you know, the, the, the church uh, in a way that um, would, would seem to yield a consistent product or con- consistentness in how it, it communicate. Um, and that's good during non-pandemic times. It's good when you have large meetings and people come together and you you vote using certain rules. Uh, but during a pandemic, um, when you have to be flexible, nimble, uh, you have to be able to deal with a certain level of ambiguity, uh, you have to be able to respond and communicate quickly. I think we saw um, the difference in, in what the church needs to be able to do now versus pre-pandemic. And that's to become nimble, you know the church uh, can continue to thrive, um, but it's got to adapt for this new normal that we're engaging um, currently at this at this time.
1: Mm, That's very interesting so because I know you know from a pastor you know we get things from the conference they give us initiatives they help us out but from the pew, and we say from the pew, of course we weren't even in pews, right? But from, from the member's perspective or your perspective, you're saying that there was a disconnect between the, the, jo- the job responsibility and the impact of the conference
0: to the member in the pew. Okay. I, I um, have a follow-up to that, Dr. Henry. Yeah, um, go ahead. I, I don't know if this is, this is out of line or whatnot, but, but based on your perception, gentlemen, d- did that change with the pandemic or was that something that preceded the pandemic?
2: I, I think for me, it preceded the pandemic. Again, it, it wasn't a major deal. I mean, sometimes we just understood it or sometimes we just sidestepped it or swept it under the rug. But I think we all saw or felt. At certain times or places, that this was not efficient; it wasn't working as it should. However, um, you know the, just the, the 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 scale and the size and the depth and the breadth of the church is somewhat overwhelming for any one person to say, "Hey, let's change this." Um, but when the pandemic came, that's when you started to see the the, the cracks, if you want to call it, in our process, or our communication. I'll give you a, a couple of examples um, that that you could see uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, when you know, back in March of 2020, when people started to work remotely and, and what have you. Uh, at one point, the the church was saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna continue to move along. We're gonna continue to do this. Uh, we need to come together." Um, and I remember at that time, I was thinking in my mind because. I had the information uh, from the state through through my institution. Well, well, we're not prepared to do this in the right way. We don't have the proper cleaning supplies. We don't have the proper equipment. We don't have the proper manpower. What, where is that conversation? Um, and then all of a sudden it changed to the church that, okay, we're going to shut down all the church, Everyone go home. Um, and then when we went home, now you fast forward to the sort of the end of the pandemic or the beginning. And now they're saying, well, you know, in certain conferences at least, no, we're not going to go back for now. Well, everyone else is up because we knew about the changes. We knew about the cleaning. We knew about the process. And guess what? The number one thing, we have the vaccine now. So there's an inconsistency in our communication and how we respond, how we get information out, and who is making those decisions, and how do they include delay member.
0: Wow! Wow! Can't. Oh, I'm sorry. You're on mute. Hold on, I got him. Uh, All right. Boom. Okay, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that 100. percent. I mean, I think definitely the pandemic just exposed a systematic communication issue um, that that was that, that has been there uh, quite often. Um, another example: we we had some some challenges at our at our church. That uh, required us to have meetings with some conference officials, um, and that was really the first time that we had some in-depth meetings with conference officials to our board, to our church and business session, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, trying to figure out how to how to get over these these issues we were having. Um, and it just really brought to my mind, and I, and I mentioned to to the conference vice president at the time that you know you have a, you have a real challenge where it's perceived that. The conference takes a lot from the local church. We send a lot of money up to the conference, uh, but in return, and so, so in, in order to, you know, what justifies that that investment that we're making? Um, there, there's got to be a lot of communication to, for the members to feel comfortable, you know, with that their investment is going to good use, you know, that you're using it appropriately. And again, we're not accusing anybody of mismanagement, but you've got to be able to communicate, you know, what you're doing, how, how the money that we're sending to you is benefiting, you know, not only other parts of the world, as we know it does, but how is it benefiting us, the, lo- the local church? These are the things that will continue to encourage the membership to, to, to continue to get them to, re- to continue to return. So I think, I agree, I think it's, it's, it's really exposed a communication challenge that, that has existed, um, uh, and that, um, you know, we really have to come to a better, uh, t- to some type of understanding as to what the best method of communicating with the local church is. Yeah. And
2: also, if I can jump in there quickly, this just hit me. Um, It's one thing when the church is communicating something, if you want to call it, or Bible based, where you have individuals who who went to uh, Oakwood, went to Andrews to study and to understand and um, provide enlightenment to the lay membership. What happens when you have? A global pandemic, where some well, where pastors in general did not go to school to learn about a pandemic, but you have lay members who did go to school. They're epidemiologists, or they're researchers, or they're other individuals with this knowledge. But you're not even a- asking the layman. It's it's the conference leadership who's getting together to make decisions but it's on a topic they probably know very little about or leveraging the experts again in their congregation. Yeah.
0: Dr. Henry, I I was going to, I was going to ask you about that same thing because the reality is this, um, there's not a single pastor that I know or course that I know that trains pastors to be conference administrators doesn't exist that, that I'm aware of anyway, at least not within the Adventist church. Um, so we've got personnel who are leading our conferences, but you know, we're almost, it's like we're doing the best that we can. Um, and like nobody has been literally trained to take on these roles and these. Now, granted, pandemic was brand new for everybody, right? There's nobody who was, you know, prepared, you know, all of that stuff. So, so there is that little elbow room. Um, but some of this sounds like is is, is what it's a communication thing more so than a knowing what to do thing. Um, good all right so let, let, let's shift if are, are we ready to uh, dr henry can i can i go to the next one okay let's, so let's this shift. is a similar question uh, but it's just uh, geared toward towards a, a different a different uh, 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 uh in a different way um at, as a member of the church um What quality of leadership were you looking for, not this time in the conference or in the organization, but what quality of leadership were we looking for? Were you looking for during the pandemic from the pastor and I'm going to add from your local church leadership? So, your elders, your your ministry departments, um, what were you expecting? What were you hoping for? Now, I know that both of you probably were that person in some some of the roles that you play. Um, but what do you think was the expectation from our members for pastors during the pandemic and for local church leadership during the pandemic?
3: Yeah, um, I think for me, it boils down to one core concept and that's a reef a double downing on mission what what is our mission as a church and what activities are we doing that support that mission so you know as we look to the end of this pandemic and go back into worships worship i have i have personally have a hard time going back to church as normal uh, because we, we've learned so much in this pandemic the one thing that that from our experience at seabrook um we, we there's so much that we can do without. There's so much of the things that we do as a church that are just they're cultural., uh, they may have some uh, reference in biblical re- you know, some biblical reference. Uh, but are are they really activities that are forcing us to focus on our mission? Hmm. And if our mission is to reach our neighbors, to serve our neighbors, to invite them into relationship with Jesus, what are activities doing that that emphasize that that mission so from a leadership perspective i think what we saw what i saw from our leaders is a refocus on that mission and let's you know let's let's even remotely let's focus all our efforts on things that we can do to help the, our neighborhood that are struggling with the same pandemic that we are so from our from our perspective i saw our leadership Uh, Really focus all of our financial resources, um, the limited building resources that we had access to, uh, all of our now our online ministry resources towards that goal. And I think I know for us, we will continue that in that direction. A lot of things that we used to do, we're not going to pick up anymore. We're going to continue moving forward with that type of focus. So to me, the pandemic really helped us to refocus on our mission and to align the the, the church leaders, the elders, the other departmental leaders with that mission and using our resources to accomplish that mission because the other things we couldn't do, we can't do anymore, right? I
2: I would agree. I would throw in two or three more thoughts on that. One would just be a level of transparency. I have an answer to Let's let's go ahead and, and be upfront uh, with that. I think sometimes gonna, again explain away certain things that just don't don't make any sense. Um, and ample, I know some conferences decided to to hold on um, you know their constituency meetings. Um, and when that happened, they said, "Well, we can't do it because we can't get together." Um, well, we just finished having a global camp meeting and I know a number conducted and move, moved around and I know, you know, I know how to use Zoom now and, and there's so many technologies available so we can't do this one simple thing versus trying to make people believe you can't do it. Um, and then now other conferences have started doing how can we be just transparent and why why should we or what it's going to take to do something so that's one um is is another key part as as brother Dorch mentioned you know we're talking about um the technology needs are going to be evolving they're going to be changing the platforms i mean even what we're doing today i'm not i'm not aware on how to Use some analogy, but other people are. And how can we be nimble to to get ahead of the curve and and be ready for whatever this new normal is going to be? And the last one I would throw out there is to be collaborative uh, yeah. to bring together people expertise in certain areas yeah. when the church body has a gift. How can we leverage those gifts so everyone can be involved, and it's it's not a top down scenario. So these are things, again, that, that I've got to use in, in my um, profession every single day that I'm held accountable for. And um, I'm sure on on some good, did it well. And on some other days, I did not do it as well. Um, but we should be willing to learn from that now so that we can incorporate a lot of those lessons with it.
0: Wow, that that was some good stuff. I want to see if I can recount them I, for some folk. that might be. I I heard um, be, being transparent, um, being collaborative. Um, some of the expectations that people had of, of both pastors, and I'm assuming, and of the other lay leaders in the church. I, I, I would I would want to reemphasize that collaborative point. Just that's important. It, it, and it zoomed to yeah. the top during this pandemic. We saw churches and church leaders and pastors just almost organically. I mean, this what we're doing, this was a collaborative thing and, and from many different places. And and I think the world, the, the virtualness that the world has become made the collaboration thing not just easier but make a whole lot more sense. Um mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that, that was, was great. It forced us into that. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, I was going to say, now, during the pandemic, right, what were the good qualities, though,
1: that you saw, uh, especially among the membership, among the leaders? Because I tell you what, I, you know, I, um wonderful church there that I had there at, at Beacon Light, and uh, the members, man, they really, you know, during that pandemic, uh, Dr. Nooks, they really were trying to keep account of everybody. So we had people calling folk and doing some things. I came here to Altamont Springs and wow, they started a prayer line like it was 40 days and then the 40 days wasn't enough. And then there was 80 days and, and it just kept on going. So so a lot of great things I think have emerged out of the pandemic. What were some of the positive things that you saw, uh, the, the leadership uh, models that you saw that just thrived during the pandemic? and, and Maybe highlighting some of
2: those can encourage you know some of us right. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely. you know our pastor and where I'm at in, in Bethany, Macon, Georgia, pastor boswell was was phenomenal. I mean he 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 preached every week. he he came to the church and uh, you know he was a steady and calm voice. you know, we got together on regular intervals. Uh, We instituted a a nightly prayer call, so every night at 7.15, as a church family, we get on, and we're still doing it now, every night at 7.15. Um, we, we get on the call together. We started something we call family connect and every Sabbath afternoon. In fact, some of my, our folks are probably on this program today because every Sabbath at four o'clock we get together and we check in as a church family and just find out how each other are doing. And, and we give a thought, we still have prayer meeting virtually. Uh, again, those are some of the, the positives, you know, we, we try to think about ministry in new and different ways. We invested in technology uh, that we probably weren't going to invest in as quickly or readily, but we were able to do that with some of the uh, cost savings, if you want to call it pandemic, that you weren't running all of the lights so you didn't have the water bills or what have you at the church. So the Lord blessed us, and and some of us are more connected. And I say was because, as you all probably know, some people did not connect as much. And, and that's something else we need to look for in the future. But on a positive note, group, uh, you know, work that we did was, was very impactful and powerful. Uh, our investments in technology and our ability to come out of this now saying we know the work needs to be accomplished in a new and different way. And that's what we're focused on now. Wow.
3: Yeah, I I would agree with that as well. At Seabrook, we've done um, implemented something that we call growth groups, not a unique concept. We certainly didn't invent it, uh, but it's something we've been doing for maybe five or six years now. We've grown and these are these are small groups, uh, 10 to 15 people to get together once a week uh, over an eight week period to have Bible study. So we basically replaced our Wednesday prayer meeting with these growth groups that would happen before the pandemic in someone's home or at the church. Uh, every night of the week, there was something going on. Since we had this structure in place already, thanks thanks to our discipleship pastor, Pastor Munoz, some of you guys may know him. Um, we, we, we just, they, the leadership doubled down on this growth group concept um, to the point where o- over the past year, we had over 30 different sessions, 30 different growth groups that are happening. Wow. Wow. Our enrollment went, we have uh, almost 500 people enrolled in growth groups throughout, throughout the week. Um, so we had a 50% increase in our growth group enrollment over the pandemic uh, resulting in 33 baptisms over the past year. So we had, we've had more baptisms during the pandemic year than we've had in any other year that I can remember.
0: Whoa, 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 okay. whoa, whoa. whoa, 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 whoa. I, uh, don't <laughs> those breaks right quick. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, okay, wait a so, minute. So how many growth groups were there again?
3: This, last sem- this semester that, that's just starting now, we're starting a new semester this, this, uh, this week, I think we have about 30, 30 different groups that are... 30
0: different groups, They're about 10 different. to 15 members per group, is that... That's right. And and they meet for eight weeks at a time. Eight weeks at a time, eight weeks one hour a week. And you've had, out of those groups, you said how many baptisms during the pandemic? 30
3: baptisms so far over the past year. Just from the growth groups from the growth groups and this type of, so, and we talk about discipleship, you know, this is how, this is how discipleship works. You get people, Hey, you invite your friends. It's a, it's an easy format. You know, you were on zoom or we're at our house back before the pandemic. Yes. It's, it's an easy way to connect with people. So there
0: was, wait a minute. Okay. I got it, I got it. So there was, you didn't, you didn't, there was no tent, no pit, no tent, no tent meeting. No, no, tent. no you didn't have to rent a hall. You, how about advertisement? You send what out What about ads, bringing in a you, speaker? Uh, you didn't you didn't have to pay to bring in a speaker and Bible workers, uh, no musicians, no musicians, stop no. it, stop, stop it, oh wow, so, what was the, it what was the nimble, yeah. evangelism budget, It'd be nimble,
3: <laughs> wow, yeah, so I mean again I, I just applaud the leadership of our of our of our church because they, they put this this program in place before the pandemic, so we had we had a system we had a cadence for people to connect and to to feel, you know, involved in the church. And it just, it just, it's just escalated throughout the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Let
1: let me, let me ask a question here. Um, You know, talking about the pandemic, talk about what was done during the pandemic that uh, looked successful. I'm gonna pose this question to Dr. Nooks here. You know, and 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 the way George, you' all been in church a long time, you know how the system works, you know, the nominating committee, you know, we have several different offices that' have been going on for years. We have these departments for years. We've just been having them, and sometimes they're not even in use, but we have them because that's what we do. What are some of the offices that you would say need to probably be reshaped? Um, maybe some departments that we have in the church? that need to be merged um what what would you say i know it's it's off script but i'm just i want to get you know when we get the the opinions of those who volunteer um in in the service of god sometimes we will get a a a a transparent answer you know answer. you know no one no one could fire you really (laughs) what, what are some of those opposites that you would say hey they probably need to merge um maybe refocus let's talk yeah. okay we are on mute
2: okay am i can you hear me yes i can hear you now yes oh. okay one some thought about which ones to merge. I I I do think though that there are probably a couple that we need to, to talk through in terms of establishing. So this whole notion of um, you know a, a chief technology officer for the church or or someone with that um, you know single point of view um, to help leverage the technology? What are the technology needs of the church? How do we go about that in a seamless platform? We don't want everyone going off. Well, I want to use Zoom. You want to use Skype. You want to use Teams. You want, you know, how do we do this as a church? What's the best platform? Uh, what Do we need aid ministry? You know, we're doing this on a Sabbath afternoon. What happens when we do open the church back? What happens to AYS? Is there a mixed AYS in this sort of formatting that you can, again, reach more people who probably live more than 30 minutes away from your home? We after service when you go home to, to get back in the car, come back 30. What does that look like? And then how do we include everyone uh, within the within the church to ease of use? So I would think that churches need to, to rethink and, and who would that be or what would that role be and how important will it be, if you want to call it the the minister of music. Right now, that minister of music role is is really key or uh, another role, but I think this this worked over time is one of the key roles in the church. Mm. What you say, Mr. Dorch?
1: How are you?
3: You know, yeah, like I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I saw Valerie told me not to get in trouble with this Somebody answer, told so. me to be careful. I saw that.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I, and I've, been, I've been looking to get fired for some of my jobs for a long time, so I, I'm happy to get fired. <laughs> but um, my friend Leslie Bridges um, looks at it this way: um, if your if your ministry, if the activities of your ministry, if the money you spend in your ministry are serving church members. I think we need to question the validity of that ministry, um, as opposed to, to, to functioning in your mission, which is to outreach to others. Uh, I kind of mentioned this in our, in the cultural comments that I made at the beginning. I think a lot of our activities are country club activities. Mm, wow. and there's nothing wrong with socialization and getting together and, you know, having that family. Um, but if that's all we're doing and, and if that's what we're spending our budget, you know, for couples ministry or, you know, singles ministry or whatever it is. And we're not fulfilling the mission of reaching out to those that don't have this, this, this family, this love, this message, we're missing the point. So, and again, that's one of the things that we're trying to reevaluate as we go into a budget season for post COVID. What is this ministry doing to reach our mission of evangelism? The devil's, devils, trying to cut me off here. <laughs> <laughs> they found you. They found you. <laughs> no, so, so, you know, yeah. Go ahead. I don't. I don't know that there's any one thing that needs to go. Uh, but I think everything needs to be reevaluated with that lens. And I agree with Doctor Nooks in that there's some new things that we need to add. You know, there needs to be a social media mm. ministry. You know, a lot of, mm. and you want to get your teens, you want to get your young people involved. They know Facebook. They know. IG, they know all. They know all the platforms. The young Get them involved. Say- yeah. Some of the young folks say, we don't know Facebook.
0: Facebook is for old folks. Right, we don't know Facebook. <laughs> we, we know TikTok, though. We know some of the other stuff. Hey, but but listen, I I would agree with you a thousand percent that that it's not that we need to get rid of singles ministry, but the reality is that there are single people in our neighborhoods, in our communities, that when we do singles ministry events, that when we do family ministry events, that our invitations shouldn't just be going across the street to the other Adventist church in town. It should be going across the street to the families that are in our neighborhoods and 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 in our communities. Um, and so those are tweaks to things that we already have that, that can just make mission move from the back burner to the forefront. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. All right. So, so as, as far as the local church is concerned, um, what should we pay particular attention to when leaders are being put in place? I saw somebody put in the chat. I think it was uh, uh, Chaplain Torres or, or, or Evelyn um, put in that one of the things that needs to be revamped is how we select. Uh, let me see if I can find that again. Where did it go? Um, how we how we do nominating committees? How we select? There we go. There it is. Um, the process, uh, the process and procedures of nominating committees need. Needs to be revisited and revised. Um, I heard um, when Chaplain Torres was with us a few, uh, about a month or so ago. Dr. Henry, I remember he he pitched something. I don't remember what he called it. We got to bring him back for that. Um, you got to bring him back.
1: Yeah, he I may mean, want to come back right now. He was ready
0: to go that last time. Remember, we were on the show. He was talking. We brought him in right there and then. And he, That's right. He went at it. <laughs> I saw his wife put in the chat that they're. He's driving right now. Oh, he's uh, driving so now. They, okay. Um, but but it was it was some some methodology of, of of putting everybody to work. It was something along that lines. It was outside of the traditional nominating committee. That if you're a part of the family, if you're part of this membership. We're we're going to find something for you to do. We're not just going to nominate and whoever gets nominated is nominated and whoever is not is not. No, everybody's got something to do. Um, that's yeah. that's what I was taking away from, from what he was saying. But for our question, as far as the local church is concerned, um, what should we pay particular attention to when leaders are being put in place? Leaders for departments, etc., within the local congregation. We may have touched on that, but let's dig a little deeper on that. Um, Dr. Nooks, let's start with you and then we'll move
2: to uh, to Dwayne. Certainly, um, as you mentioned, different ways of going about this nominating process. I was fortunate enough to be at uh, church in one of these where we, we did just that. It started with an interest. Well, excuse me. Before that, it started with a spiritual gifts and everyone. Um, you know, we went through the spiritual gift seminar, I think there was a sermon on it. Uh, everyone, um, received the, the survey handout, you were able to fill in And at the end, it told you what your spiritual gift was or, you know, which ones they were. Um, and then following that there was, um, an interest, if you want to call it, uh, inventory put out for roles within the church that were based on those particular spiritual gifts, so, so now you could say, hey, I, I, you know, I'm making it up. If my spiritual gift is, is helping others, maybe I would be good at um, being an usher, which, which had that function in it. Or maybe I would be good at visiting the homeless, would had, you know, that structure in it. And the church was expected um, or encouraged, rather, to fill out this inventory. And that's what was collected, uh, put together and a committee with the, trying to get 100% of the members who filled out the, the paperwork and involved. And if we do it through the popularity contest, you remove all of the the sort of past conversations or arguments, and you're doing it based on something tangible, an outcome that's spiritually based. And then once people get involved and are activated, uh, their happiness and their connectedness and engagement towards that congregation increases. And just like in higher ed, the more the student is engaged on campus Mm -hmm. and happy, likely they will continue on to be at your institution and eventually graduate. And the same thing with, with the church, the likely they are to be engaged and happy, the more they're better off being a disciple, bringing someone else in and along for this journey. Wow.
3: Yeah. And I'd agree with that. I agree. It starts with understanding your spiritual gifts. You know, what, what are, what are the things that you do that you have passion for, but I'll take it a step further. Uh, as again, my friend Leslie Bridges says all the time, you got to be able to then connect that spiritual gift to the mission of your church, which is outreach. You got to use that gift in connection with outreach so that we're all working for for the same goal. So, and that, that's, that's the combination. And it it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the front person. Uh, Perfect example at our church, we've got a communications director, Crystal Chalaya. She hates being in front of the camera. She's, she's great in front of the camera. She, um, but the work that she does behind the scenes, in terms of uh, all of our graphics work, uh, all of our promotional work, uh, it's we could we couldn't do what we do without that type of involvement, that type of of giftedness that's used to accomplish the the mission.
0: Tell tell me her name again and her email.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We we, we got her busy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so, 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 so. Let me say this, and I, and I know that we. So, so, we're, 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 we're assuming. Um, I think the best thing is, and that is that, that that people. You know, we're looking for spiritual people, and and I say that because of this. By the time I got to to college, I had taken so many um, spiritual gift inventories, so many uh, personality tests, all of those things. I knew that if I did not want to do a particular job, then I was going to answer these questions this way. I knew that if I did want to do a particular thing, that this is how I was going to answer it, and this was going to be my proof that I was fit, I was, I was the one for this role. See, I've got proof. And so in the end, still, still, you know, people who are, who are sold out to say, God, I want to be used by you in the way that you see fit. Um, um, and an in integrity that comes along with that. Those are all going to be great, great, great things that we're looking for. Um, those of you that are in the, ch- in the chat, um, what are you looking for? Um, just a, just a kind of a, a reset right quick. Um, today on the Pastor's Roundtable, we are talking about what are you looking for in leadership in the church in a post-pandemic world? Um, we know that post-pandemic is coming. We're in a and an, we're almost in a kind of sort of post-pandemic. Pandemic. But when it comes to church leadership at the local level, at the pastoral level, at the denominational level, that's what our guests are joining us today to talk about. What are the members, what are laypersons looking for when it comes to choosing and selecting leadership going forward in the days ahead? And we are joined by Dr. Kirk Nooks and uh, Mr. Dwayne Dorch, and we have just had a wonderful conversation so far. If you are just joining us, you want to go back to the beginning of this show, you can check it out in the uh, YouTube channel or on the Facebook page and just watch it from the beginning to see what we have covered up to this point. Dr. Henry, we'll turn it back right. to you. Where are we going from well, here?
1: Well, listen, look, I got, I got a question for you all. I want you to hold on to this. So listen, if you were in a position to interview leaders for your conference, right? What would some of those um, issues you would explore with your potential employees? So again, you're interviewing leaders for your conference. You are in that position. What are some of the issues and and, and um, characteristics that you would like to have in that potential employee? Yeah,
3: I, I would say um, I'd like to understand their vision of post-pandemic ministry. Um, okay. I was um, so we, we're we're. We're fortunate to have a new conference president here in our conference. That uh, I've worked, that was is a former pastor of the Seabrook Church, and uh, we're just very happy, uh, proud of him, uh, Pastor Charles Tap. I was in I was in a meeting with him a, a few years ago, and he was asking the question, "Why are we still investing in churches? Why are we still investing in church buildings?" At, again, at this point, he's a, he's a he's a pastor of a of a large local church, um, and his question was very shocking to the people that were in the audience, uh, which were mainly church you know church leaders. Uh, why are we investing millions of dollars in these buildings when the youth are not impressed with buildings? You know, they're, we're we're losing our younger generation. They're not coming to buildings. They don't like our church service formats, right? Would we would we be better served putting this money and things that are gonna engage the younger generation. They, they're, they're influenced by uh, being, being helpful to the community. They want community outreach projects. They want things they can get their hands dirty and get involved with. Maybe that's what we should be spending our money with. So I mean, I'm encouraged by uh, Pastor Tapp now being our conference president and looking forward to, to the kind of things he's gonna do. But I, I say that to say, I, I think I understand his vision um, and where he wants to take ministry in the future, um, so that I, I would want to know from a from a from a perspective conference leader, you know, are is it is it church as usual? What is your vision for how we're going to accomplish our mission post post pandemic?
0: I'm going to go take us a little off script here. How do you how do you find that out? So you've got a conference constituency meeting coming up um how does a constituent to uh, or a, a delegate to a conference constituency meeting how do you get to ask that question how do you how do you find the answer to that question ask your pastor but what if you
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know that 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 was going to sort of a question you know in, in, in the, if you want to call it in the leg world, when he or she goes to work, we all have performance evaluations. And with those performance evaluations, you set annual goals, hopefully, along the way to say, okay, if, if I do this or if I get here using objective data or compliment, then I know I'm making progress. So I would be asking that conference presence, what are some of those objective metrics that we can agree upon as a conference and set particular goals and work toward those goals? And uh, you know what will it look like when we arrive at those particular goals? What will the church look like? What will it feel like? Um, what what rate of success will we have? And 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 again, what will that look like? So that we can set this in a collaborative sense, and all the churches and pastors can work together to do it. And that may require, you know, thinking outside the box. You know couple of weeks, excuse me, a, a, a few months ago, I threw out this crazy idea during a conversation. And I said, uh, we, here we are in Macon, Georgia. We have two main churches uh, and uh, two conferences. Um, what would it look like? What we just got crazy for a second and said, we're going to sell one of those buildings. And for, you know, the future going forward to have and for two Sabbaths out the month, one of the congregations will use the church and for the other, the obligations will achieve on this is related to a facility and then take what would that look like? I mean, we made it 15 months, essentially without stepping foot in a church. We can't go Back now. We can't make the argument we need a church every single week because we've just figured out how to do it for the past year plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I'm, I'm wondering, so, so those are questions that you are asking and want to know from current leadership, right? So that's a question that you'd ask for somebody who is already in office. Um uh dwayne, you guys just uh, Potomac just had a, a a virtual constituency meeting um a couple of months ago where your new president was was elected um, You said that you were encouraged by him being in that role because of what you had previously heard him say in regard to so you got an idea of his perspective on ministry. But he was your pastor in your church and a group that heard that delegates that comprise the people who are voting for this new president come from the myriad of other churches which are in the conference who were not in that meeting and they did not hear him expouse that they did not know his ministry position on that, at least from the same context that, that you heard it in. I, I guess the question that I have is that the way that, that most of our conferences do constituency meetings, most of mm. our delegates who are voting for new leadership or leadership, church yeah. leadership, how do they get to know these things about these individuals when they're pastoring in this church in this part of the 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 conference and and yet the constituents how how do we get to the point where delegates are making informed decisions as opposed to just doing a lot of guesswork
3: yeah that's that's a great question um and i don't know that i have the the right answer other than there's got to be some structural changes that you know maybe allow us to allow the prospective uh, candidates to uh, get on some calls with the constituents ahead, you know several months ahead of time. Um, you know how do we elect how do we elect, how do we elect our presidents in the U.S. right? We go through several levels of debates where people can ask questions, you understand their positions, what's important to them, what drives them. Um, you know. Just more engagement, more transparency, as Dr. Nook said before, um, and get, allowing the people, to, allowing the members in the pews to be more involved in the process. That that sounds
0: great, Duane, But you you know that in most of our conferences, you you just in well, you just invoked something that in most of our conferences does not exist. Prospective candidates. There's no yeah. such thing in, in, right. in most of most of our our, our, our structures. Um, yeah. Dr. Nook. Because.
2: Now, now here's the challenge Um, in our structure and how we do things. But growing up in the church, being I think I'm a third generation advocate, I've always been taught um, that um, a prayer goes on to elect people, and that special prayer is only among the four. And they get together, they pray really hard, and then. It's revealed to these people. Well, if God speaks to me as well, and I speak to, you know God speaks to everyone. If indeed we have the information, then allow God to use the body of people. So if there are two or three people who are willing to serve in this role, they're willing to serve. So again, we're trying to take the politics out of it, but I'm willing to serve as a president if you would have me. I believe I have the spiritual gifts and my brother here is willing to serve or my sister here is willing to serve, then all, all three of us should be able to hold a 30-minute conversation via Zoom or something else, answering questions, and after the, the membership listens, we all collectively pray, and then we, we share, we vote, our, and with that, allow the Lord's will to be done. But again, it just feels and seems that it's only a special group of groups to get these answers. And and that's somewhat disappointing because yeah. again, we we need to be able to evolve and understand that um, politics can play out, you know, among the highest levels, even when you know you're you're not the one trying to have that yeah. posture.
0: I hear you, Doctor Nooks, but that sounds way less spiritual than taking some sticks and putting them in a box and seeing which one buds uh, by the morning. I, I I don't know about it. <laughs> hey, um, hey, listen though,
1: but 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 Pastor Paul, I guess what what our our constituents are saying is that something has to change. You know, you have on one side. You know, like, if, if if you ask who wants to be president, you know, if you have a conference of, what, the 200 pastors, maybe 100 pastors, Danville, go on. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of candidates, right? But but something has to change, right? Something has to change so that we can at least know, uh, from what I'm hearing from our, um, our membership, and even pastors, so we at least know who... Um, you know, what the vision is instead of being in the seat and, and then now we learn the vision, you know, I think that's kind of, um, you know, challenging at times because the vision of the person in the seat may not be the vision of the people in the pews, right? So, so something has to. so let me, let me ask you this, um, in our organization, and I may be going off a little bit here and we'll probably come on back. You know, we have several levels of our organization and, you know, we've had several shows on these different levels of organization. We have the union, uh, well, actually the conference, uh, the union, and then the general conference. And, you know, the division is the general conference operating on that area of the the world. During the pandemic, and this might be uh, related to the last question, but during the pandemic, um, we talked about leadership in the conference that, you know, the collaboration in some of the conferences, of course, some conferences did well, you know what I mean? Some conferences were able to probably, you know, uh, reach over that gap and really communicate with the members. But as far as like the union, as far as the division, what impact do those other areas of administration have on your local church during the pandemic? Did they have any impact as far as you know? You know, there might have been some things that they've done where, you know, you didn't know um, that helped the church. But as far as what you know, based on the pandemic, what areas did they did they have a, a impact on the local church during the pandemic, as far as you know? Union, division, general conference.
2: To, to be fair, um, I'm sure I want to I want to think positively. I'm I'm sure they had some fact or positive influence, um, but practically on the day to day, I am not aware of any impact that they had. But again, I want to think positive that there was something there again the communication breakdown to articulate this is why or this is what happened. So I want to think positive to say yes but I did not personally see or feel or hear anything specific.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's the challenge that I was referring to earlier. The fact that uh, our funds from the local church make their way up to fund these other higher organizations that that do good things. I mean, I I'm, I know personally many of the executives, our union president, Dave Wigley, is a great man. Um, the challenge, though, is communicating what they do to the members in in the pews. Um, you know, just looking at, at how the conference, our conference budget works, uh, about 25, 28 percent of our conference budget goes up to support the union, the division, the general conference. That's a lot of money that um, could be very well used uh, at in other ways, at the local level, not to say that it's it's misused above, but there's a lot of there's a lot of layers, there's a lot of overhead, and um, I personally feel that the church is going to struggle to fulfill its mission post pandemic until we get this structure to be more relevant and more efficient, so that things are driving back, resources are driving back down to the local church. I know early, early in the church's history, there was a, a big push to spread the gospel around the world, right? So I, I understand how a lot of, the, of these resources had to go to, you know, far off countries, far off parts of the world, and there still is a need. Um, but you know, I live in the United States, I live in the Mid-Atlantic region, and I know the need here as well. And there's a great need, just as are in every other city in America. Uh, and I know how we struggle to keep the local church afloat, to maintain our buildings, uh, to do other things. Um, So, you know, I think the the biggest issue, as Dr. Nook said, is a communications issue. But secondly, I I think we've got to talk structure. We've got to talk efficiency uh, and kind of reprioritize reformatting our financial structure so that uh, we can fund, we can direct resources uh, to the local level more efficiently and effectively.
1: So, so let me, so let me ask this too. So, um, and, and again, from what I'm hearing, we're not saying that they did not impact the church. We're just saying that you don't know, um, of the type of impact that they had on the church because you haven't heard anything, uh, from that, that side. Now they would say, you know, we're sending out, um, maybe the e newsletter letter, North American division e newsletter or there's the review so. what are some of the other ways that, communication can be, um, that gap, that lack of communication can be can be filled so that the members in the pew know exactly the the impact of the, the conference and the division. You know, one thing I would say with the United States um, government uh, during the pandemic, if someone were to ask, well, what did the government do for you? What a stimulus check, you know? <laughs> I raised <to> we, <laughs> we received the check, right? <laughs> um,
3: what a, so, I mean, so, okay, in, in, in communicating with some, of my, with some of my friends about some of these issues, I mean, there, there are lots of things. There are lots of things that, that that can be done. So one one thing I'll give the conference credit for is talking about PPP. They did apply for our conference, at least, did apply for PPP loans and uh, now grants for a lot of our institutions. We had a um, early learning center, daycare center. Right, all of our employees, were able to hold on to all of our employees and get them paid because the conference uh, applied for that for us. Now we didn't know that we we started applying for it on our own, and they slapped our hands and said, "No, we're doing it." Well, we didn't know, but anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, so there there are there are some things that I'm, I'm sure that, that that they are doing. But to Doctor Nooks's point, a key thing that that we all struggled with during this pandemic was technology. We all had to move from from in person services to uh, to virtual some churches that had expertise in house have done very well others most others have struggled with uh, you know a hundred people on a zoom call um you know a very you know uh, the low hanging fruit let, let's let's gather our best technology leaders from our local churches and let 's put a package together that all of our churches can use during this period you know things like this are things that that uh, that should have been done that could be done uh, to 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 utilize the resources that we have and, and spread and spread them across the conference.
2: And then with the um, communication, I'll, I'll give it to South Atlantic. Um, uh, we've had several town halls and uh, has you know, hosted. I think all together, there, there are probably town halls. And, and he did it providing updates and letting people know where we were. Make um, uh, They also, the conference, certain families who were in need, they just needed to fill out an application. Um, now, if that was done in association with the Southern Union or the NAD, then again, we were not aware of it, it just came from our conference office. So. Um, it should have been made a bit clearer. The the union could have held a town hall uh, at least once or twice. Again, if they did so, I was not of it. So, um, but just to get on to, to share their role or how this is think um, the North American Division I think a couple of weeks ago did put on a coronavirus uh, program that was very well done the information we, uh helped but that would have been really helpful very early on in the process when there were a lot of unknowns. Now we're getting ready to come out of the cycle. Uh, we're only talking about the pandemic. But don't forget all the racial, you know, conversations, and we have not unpackaged them. As, as a division, we have not unpackaged that as a union. We have not really unpackaged it as a conference. so Although there's the pandemic, there's all the layers over the past 15 years, we've not really addressed, and, and maybe that's an opportunity for the division to say, look, we're, we're going to address this in a different way moving forward. Uh, maybe those are some additional positions. That need to be our city officer. We have a, a number of those in higher ed now. I mean, is there such a thing
1: mm-hmm.
2: at the division at a, a, a Southern Union level? Yeah. So Dr.
0: Henry, I was going to, at your question, what, what could, what could they do to communicate more? I, I was going to say, oh, they could come on programs like this, like the Pastors Roundtable and communicate. And, and as I was saying that, you know, we would be remiss if if we did not mention to our audience today on the heels of this question that about a month ago, we did have the president of the North American Division um, uh, on the Pastors Roundtable. And he shared with us something that at least, Dr. Henry, you and I knew, but we, you know, not many of our members knew, that the division had... Uh, 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 a stimulus package that they sent from the division down to all of the 53 conferences within the North American division and the territories. Um, that was to the tune of, I think it was what, between 5 and $7 million, something like that, $10 million. Um, granted, by the time you break fi- even $10 million up among 53 conferences, and then those conferences have to break that up among you know, their, how, how they're going to um, you know, divide that up. But that is is something that did happen from the North American division. Um, I don't know if there's any further plans in place. But we would be remiss if we had this conversation and did not share with our audience that Uh, our division has taken steps to try Mm -hmm. to help along the way. Uh, But communication, um, it was was in printout in the Adventist review. That was, you know, information that did go out in the main channels. Um, But again, not all of our members knew it or had access to it along the way.
2: Now, let me, let me, let me say this one thing too, And this is from a lay person's perspective. And we don't, Want to sound you know ungrateful here? We, we appreciate the stimulus, we appreciate the, the support, the financial support for the local churches. Our, our church is one of the churches who benefited, uh, so so we're grateful for it, but but we don't want to get this too sideways. You, you know, the money did up, so 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 the money went up, and all it did was come back down in a different form. Again, we're grateful for it, but the, the bigger question for me as a layperson is, how do we bring forward, period, so the money doesn't necessarily have to go up to that level so that it can stay local wow. and, and money is done at the local level? So I want to be careful. we thankfully it came back down, wow.
0: Yeah.
2: but why did it take a pandemic for it to come back down?
3: See, and Doctor Nooks, I was, I was trying to, I was trying to stay, stay, uh, <laughs> stay calm. <laughs> but, uh, no, this, this is, this is a passionate topic right here. Um, I fully believe in the tithing system and supporting the church and the world church, but our local churches are suffering, and uh, we're suffering to keep the lights on. We're, we're suffering to maintain our our facilities. We're suffering to allow ministries. Uh, pastor paul and i have talked in the past you know the, the, the vast majority of most churches budget go just to keep the place working building we don't have very much money for local ministry to do the mission that we're here for um yet our property deeds are owned by by the conference um, so we can't even you know <laughs> leverage that to uh you know get loans and other things understand i understand the reasoning and it, it's all they're all valid reasons for that but the financial structure of the church hinders local ministry and we've got to tackle this problem. This wow.
0: this is this is I think
1: That's, um that, that I was gonna say, Pastor Paul, this this is um you know, to hear this <laughs> to hear this from our our members, our constituents. And I know among the pastors you hear that conversation, but I think one of the things I'm thinking about is how long, you know, will this conversation take place? Like what what would be, you know, you think but, about but I, the I think that's if the,
0: something is not done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the point, Dr. Henry, is that this conversation is not being had in yeah. the open with everybody at the table. So when pastors talk about this, they're talking about it around the water cooler, and administration isn't necessarily a part of the conversation. When when laypersons are talking about it, their pastor might not be in the midst, but they're talking about it. Or maybe their pastor is, but it doesn't go. Everybody's not at the table. So... Again, in context like this, uh, in one of our previous seasons, we had the treasurer of the North American Division, the treasurer of the Florida Conference. We had the treasurer of one of our unions come and sit with us. And, and here's some of the, in, the information that was shared, that most of the churches, when you send money up, you're getting, most of the churches are getting more money coming back down than they are sending up. Now, Seabrook is going to be in a different lane because Seabrook is yeah, Seabrook. Yeah. Seabrook. But yeah. the majority of our churches, when you take into account the salary that is being paid to the pastor, the benefits that are being paid to a pastor and a church like mine, where I've got teachers and principal, the the, yeah. the conference is actually putting way more money back into my church than my church is is sending up but again that's not visible and at the surface so when the, there's a hole in the roof or there's a something you know we want money for and I'm like well we're not getting it but people don't realize that the conference, and like in my situation, conference is putting four or five times more money back down right. into this local church than what is being sent up. And if everybody's not at the table when we have these conversations, then points of, of, of you know, little facts or details like that get overlooked and people get angry and upset because this isn't happening. But Everybody's got to be at the table to be able to have these conversations rather than just having them in isolated pockets here and there. Right. I don't now, know how we me, facilitate that, but that's that, that's yeah. got to be key.
1: Well, let, let me jump in here and say this. I think that um, in a lot of conversations that we've had, I think the the general... Uh, agreement is that there got to be a way to keep more money at the local church i mean I, that's that's what i'm hearing i mean even among administrators, you know here at the Florida Conference, we have a phenomenal treasurer. And I have to admit, I mean, the way that they have supported this church, um, I, I see the confer- I see the benefit of the conference big time. I, isn't I, she I a member of things, your I
0: mean. church? Isn't Isn't that way Hold <laughs> up! Hold up! We've seen. Listen, we've
1: seen the conference help big time, and we've seen conferences try to. Even when I was in Central State, um, the conference they really try to help the church in any way, shape, or form. I mean, whatever they can do. So I do have to vouch for for um, the, the the conferences there, but what I'm saying, Pastor Paul, is that again the majority again in my, in my conversations with administration, with pastors, with the is that they want to keep more money down here the local church. I mean that's what they wanted to like. Presidents are saying, hey, more money. Like we had a we had a show. We had a show. And I think, I think it was Alec Bryan, I wanted to say, hey, look, we, the local church is where it's happening. So that conversation is happening. However, how do we restructure? Is, is there a need now to restructure how we flow these resources? Is there a time now to say, let's evaluate the department's within our conferences and our unions and our divisions and, and refocus them and see if that's needed. Maybe money can be saved. Hey, during this pandemic, it, it showed us we saved a lot of money in the church because there's a lot of things we weren't doing. Uh, you know, I mean, Sabbath school lessons, <laughs> we were, we were looking, we were, we were doing a digital, you know, digital Sabbath school lessons. Now, not, not a lot of people wanted a hard copy. Right. So, I I think we got to go through it and really look at where we are and see if we get more money in the local church to help people. A
3: a simple solution that my treasurer friend, Leslie Bridges says all the time, just have the conference pay the church back tithe. Just give us a 10% tithe back to the local church. That would help. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, and again, I I have to throw this in there too. Back to my point that I was making, not just... Everybody being at the table. But, Dwayne, something that you mentioned earlier, and I think, uh, Dr. Nooks, you mentioned as well transparency. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what our conference's liabilities are. Who, who knows what, what to be? So, we think that there's all this money up there, but in reality, without the yeah. transparency, we just don't know know. at your local church when you come to board meeting there's a financial report you see what comes in you see what goes out we don't get that from a conference level. We don't know what comes in and what goes out um, from, from a division level or a union level. We don't, as constituents, as members, even as pastors, we don't see that information. So that puts me in a position to think and to assume that there is all of this excess there. So then why can't I get a piece of that back here? If there is the transparency then it may show, yeah, there is something that makes sense for it to come here or I might see that, oh well, okay, even though I want it here the reality is it's not really there or there's some things that need to be shifted and juggled and tweaked in order to be able to make it possible and the reality, and somebody mentioned it in the chat, I think some of you guys mentioned it, that sometimes when that transparency exists, there's going to be skill levels in the pews in the among our labor that are going to be yes. able to help us come up with ideas exactly. and designs and structures that may yeah, more um, um, accurately fit the context in which we're doing doing ministry right now.
2: And, and I, and I must I've... say to
3: that, to that transparency point, I think I think Potomac Conference has done a really good job of being transparent, at least at a high level, giving us a feel for you know how, where the, the financial situation. But I, to your point, I think it's more, hey, let's have some input on how these allocations are, are being assigned. You know, do we really need to? to send 30% of our, uh, 30% up to the higher levels? Um, Do we need to spend so much on administrative activities or other things? So.
1: And and I want want to jump in here, Pastor Paul, real quick. Listen, I, I want to say this too. Um, you know, as a small church, when you're in a small church, and we say small church, you know, it's, I mean, people have a different definition, but I was in a small church in my mind. You know, we just given 5,000, 7,000 uh, a, a month, 2,000, 3,000. And, and we were able to do some things because of the conference. You know, you're about your evangelistic meeting, and you also talk about even purchasing property. They didn't use our finances per se, but they used the finances, right? That at that time made us look a little strong, well, not a little stronger, a lot stronger than what we were. Uh, and that would help us to get you're property cheating. and get some different Wait, things. So, <laughs> so hey, watch it. So, on a, so, on, so especially when you start out small, the conference makes a big difference, right? And and on top of that, with the hiring process that they have a full-time pastor there, whatever. So the conference is very important. I would just say that in principle, I think that our structure is good, like in principle, right? Where it's the strong helps the weak, right? The principle of our structure is good. I'm just saying now that we need to evaluate some of the fact that has has grown from this structure, eliminate the fact that Let's go back to the principle. The principle is powerful. We see the the impact of the principle. That's why we have churches all over this world because of the principle. But let's eliminate the fat so that we can see more ministry happening, especially in our local area. Man, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we agreed the same exact same exact thing. So again, for for me, it would just be trust trust the level members that we can handle the information. Uh, trust the lay members that we want what's best for the church, just like everyone else. Um, you'll you'll hear the vast majority of us say, "Not going anywhere, trying to 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 tear anything down." We're just trying to make sure everything is sustainable moving forward, uh, and and let us help it to the best of our abilities. All right. Well, listen, our music is playing.
0: Our time is up. We're a little bit past. But listen, I want to give you a chance, both of our guests, to give us two things, two top two things that you're looking for in leaders. You can just name two character traits or two leadership traits that you're looking for in leaders in a post-pandemic world. I know we just throw this on you, so I'm going to filibuster for another second here or two while you get those two things together. Um, Two things. uh, Who wants to go first? Top two things that you're looking for in leaders going first. Forward, church leadership going forward in a post-pandemic world.
3: I'm gonna go ahead. Go ahead. Were I would say number one, just commitment to the mission of the church. Mm. Oh. Uh, I think we have a common mission that you got to be committed and so and you know um, bought into that mission, uh, and and every, everything else falls into that. Obviously, you have to have uh, the, the, the the traits, the uh, talents uh, to lead people to. Um, have have people buy into your vision Uh, but those are my my vision awesome awesome Mm -hmm.
2: dr nooks And, and i'm gonna just i'm gonna just throw out to again you know there's so many talented individuals within the church membership Leverage those talents and you'll get a lot farther um, as a leader. And then I would say also going forward, it's it's time to be courageous. And you're going to do it in a respectful way, but um, what it requires something different. Um, and just because you are willing to think differently and be open to new and different ideas doesn't mean you're turning your back on the church. You might be the voice the church needs to, to move things forward.
0: Awesome. 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 Great stuff. Listen, we are just been so privileged to have both of you with us today. Your contribution to this conversation has been huge Uh, and eye-opening and enlightening. It is not often that clergy gets to hear in this type of a context and, and and Dr. Henry, I'm thinking we ought to do this type of a show more often. Um,
1: Yes. We want to hear, we want to hear from the members, man. We want to hear from these safer members. By the way, I want to tell you, uh, Is not only you know when I was in Kansas City, Kurt Nooks was was I mean the man was great, but his wife, his wife was just a a hard working member. The family, the doc. Oh man, uh-huh. listen, we we definitely appreciate you, Doc, and uh, God bless you, man, in your ministry. And and brother Dwayne Dorch, again, man, I just go back to that first conversation there, man, a couple of months yeah. well a year ago and how um, excited you were about the program and then the valuable input that you had when you were on the show and to see that uh, you're still doing ministry strong, man. It's, it's a blessing. So we're looking forward to see what great things are going uh, to see the church. Tell my friend, Pastor Damian Johnson, I said hello. You have an awesome pastor. Awesome pastor.